It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. It is a Tuesday, so John Adams will join us a little bit later in the program. As a matter of fact, in just about two minutes, Michigan, they are your national champions with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, and we've got a grandiose show on board for you, as not only are we going to talk about the national championship last night, but as you know us, we're going to focus on uh, some Tennessee football as well. In particular, we'll take a look at the Vols portal and see what uh, John Adams thinks of the Vols done enough in the portal more topics out there as well that we will get to when we bring john adams in where would michigan have finished in the sec uh gerard mayo i think has got a pretty darn good shot for getting that head coaching job in place of bill belichick i didn't see that coming i covered him uh does that make him the smartest ball since a guy named manning also uh jeremy pruitt uh, his comments on Michael Penix going back in the day, Penix, excuse me, and Tennessee basketball. Would they be a blue blood with one national title? I don't know that it's that easy, but let's go ahead and get into it. It is John Adams joining us now. John, how are you, sir? 
I'm doing well, Dave. Thank you for caring. Yes. Ron, uh, you should be think you should be very proud. He asked you how you were doing before he asked me how I was doing. Well, he takes you for <laughs> granted, Caleb. You need to understand. <laughs> yeah, well, that that would be a slip up. Caleb, how are you, sir? And I need consoling, guys. Okay, my Grizzlies are done for. John Morant's out for the season. I don't know if y'all saw that yesterday. So, and Dave didn't even take me into account in my pain this morning for that. Yeah, Plus, probably, I lost on both of my Michigan bets last night. Probably shot uh, himself in the leg like Plaxico Burris. <laughs> Caleb, uh, I plead uh, ignorance and apathy on your pain. Don't know, don't care. Sorry. Oh, well, the the grizzlies aren't you, on my radar. Well, you probably, well, when you were born, weren't you guys hunting grizzly bears at that time? I'm not. Killed a few in my time. Yes. I'm not as nearly old as John. That hurts a little bit, but. Uh, no, good, I, was but... To John. I was referring to John, Dave. Oh, okay. okay. Well, Dave's very sensitive about his youthful looks that are no longer there. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I was like, which youthful looks? Um, all right, let's let's get to uh, the the national championship uh, last night. Uh, and I'm curious on the message board too. Was it disappointing not having an SEC team in there? Did it feel a little bit hollow from the get? I want to start with John because uh, a lot of times John is uh, staying up till two and three in the morning watching. Pac-12 or Pac-1.5 football, whatever it is now, or Pac-nothing football. Uh, but, but John, I was I was curious to your thoughts uh, on the matchup. I I got to be honest with you, not seeing uh, the, the SEC represented made it almost feel like, I don't know, one of those lower-level mo- uh, boxing matches back in the day when they couldn't <laughs> get – I mean – when they couldn't get like Tyson and uh, somebody else lined up. So he'd just fight some stiff out of a bar. I don't know. That's how it felt like to me. Am I wrong? No, I felt the same way. It was just, uh, I mean, it was a close game for a while, even though you kind of felt like Michigan was, it was the superior team from the get go and it wouldn't end well for the Huskies, but yeah, that took a lot away from it for me. And it's part of that's because, you know, I've been covering the SEC for a million years. The SEC had won 13 in the previous 17 national championships. It's almost kind of like, well, to win the national championship, you got to beat the SEC. And to Michigan's credit, it beat, uh, it beat Alabama in the semifinals. But, yeah, I felt like it was missing something. And also the way the game unfolded, I thought there were a lot of mistakes on both sides. And, because I have watched a lot of Pac-12 football, um, Washington just just didn't look like the Washington I saw during the regular season, the times I watched it. And part of that had to do with Michigan's defense, which is obviously outstanding. Uh, but Michael Penix was off from the get-go. Then he got bunged up, didn't handle things well. So, yeah, I just think, particularly in the South, and let's face it, the Southeast is where a lot of college football fans uh, live. And and I think there was that sense. And I guess the one other thing, I still think Georgia's the best team in the country. I mean, it doesn't get a do-over. It lost when it mattered to Alabama. But I, I still think it's the best team. I still think if it had made the playoff, it would have won the championship. 
Yeah, and I thought that last night too, Caleb. I don't know about you, but I kept thinking if Georgia somehow stepped on the field, they'd probably still win. And I'm not sure that it would be close. I don't know. It just had a goofy feel from a, 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 a an SEC analyst perspective, I guess. I don't know if you felt the same way or not, Caleb. I could have gotten – it wasn't so much that it was – that there wasn't an SEC team in there because guys we're forgetting there was an SEC team in the national championship last year. And that was the worst national championship game. I think anybody's ever watched. And I think that, I think the problem is it's just that for two years in a row, a team that was in over its head was in the national title game. And I said from the start, I actually said, and I don't know, John, if I, you were on when I said it, but I said the college football playoff committee, and it's fine if they wanted to say they care about body of work, but they lied when they said they were picking the four best teams. These right. were not the best teams. If you were going to do the four best teams, you go Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and that's it. And what we know is that the Michigan-Alabama game, I think we all knew that Rose Bowl game was the national title. We knew it a mile away, didn't we? Well, no, because I, I thought Washington – I thought Washington was capable of winning that game. It was an underdog, but I thought it was capable of winning that game. It beat Texas, and it, it has been extremely good in the clutch. In a lot of close games, it's prevailed. And I thought by beating Texas, it established itself as a genuine national championship contender. But, again, I I thought Texas was a really good team. I didn't think the best team won that game. But it won the game. I'm not going to argue with results. But it still gets back to Georgia. Georgia was a complete team. And we go back to the Alabama game. Remember when Georgia beat Alabama uh, in the championship game a few years ago? And Alabama's top wide receiver got hurt. And it was already it was already weak at wide receiver. And you can't make excuses in those games. But that kind of changed the way that game went. It, it took away Alabama's ability to stretch the field. I thought when, when Georgia played Alabama, everybody knows Brock Bowers wasn't near 100%. He just wasn't. And neither is Lad McConkey, who was really hurt most of the season, played on and off. But Georgia at full strength, Brock Bowers at full strength, I think it would have won that game. But can't make excuses. But again, it gets back to my point you didn't feel like they were the best teams in there. And Georgia, to me, was the best team. No, uh, I agree. So I'll ask you today's tough question, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Boom, here we go, today's tough question. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. So contribute in. You tell me because I'm malleable here. I'm willing to work with you and find the best adjectives you would like to describe. But I'm going to start it with this. And it is Michigan would be a blank SEC team. So I'll ask you, would they be a perennial championship. How would you like to define it, John? And then we'll get it go going on our YouTube page. People can take part and we want to hear you on the message board as well. But Michigan would be a blank SEC team. Are you, are you referring to this past season or just in general? Uh, in general, year to year. 
It would be a championship contender. It would be, uh, I think it would be top five in an expanded SEC. I think it could be could be a top five in a in an annual uh, playoff contender. Okay, so what do you say, Caleb? In an expanded SEC, I think Michigan, year in and year out, is clear cut, no better than the fourth best program to coach it in the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma there. I, I mean, I think you're talking seventh or eighth, but this year, this year they'd be in the top tier with Alabama and Georgia. Those would be the, they, I don't know who would win it between Michigan, Alabama and Georgia, but that would be the top tier in the SEC this year. And okay. One of those teams would win it. So here's how I'm going to set this up. Uh, contender with Alabama or Georgia fourth best year to year. And then after that, I will put uh, below that. So we'll see what we get on the poll. You can go to the uh, poll on the YouTube page and take part in that. We'd love to get get your interaction. And let's take a look at the message board and see what the message board has to say, because I'm curious. I like this Michigan team from the get. So I'm going to say that they would have been, and they will be if Jim Harbaugh stays, they would be a team that will compete with Alabama and Georgia for a championship. Uh, a lot of people saying Michigan was just better, uh, but Jim Harbaugh is out the door. College football is the new fixed NFL. Daniel saying it's hard to tell what they would be because of the cumul- cumulative effect of the whole cheating scandal. What about the cheating scandal, John? And how does it affect Michigan, uh, their championship? Because they were caught not once, but twice. And one was about the goofiest thing that you've ever heard, sending a coach on a sideline. You and I haven't even discussed it, I don't believe. But when it comes to just the gall of cheating, that's right up at the top. Yeah. uh, Back in my younger days, a couple of times on a bet, I got on the sideline of a college football game, had no problem, walked right in, (laughs) stayed there. The whole game one time, just part another time. But, no, that doesn't affect how I look at, at Michigan's championship. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that was kind of an extended effort to cheat. But I think it would have won the national championship anyway. Caleb, what did you make of that? I think it's more that I, I, I'm I'm kind of leaning where you were. I'm going, I'm going to go where you were leaning, Dave, which is, the Michigan cheating scandal is the only scandal. The only thing that stands out to me is they were stupid enough to get caught in that way because they were so reckless because y'all have to Dave, you've told me Nick Saban cheats with the analyst. He, but guess what? He covers it up. He doesn't let the media come to practice when he's about to use all the analysts to work with the players on the field, but that's absolutely cheating. Okay. He's just smart. Yeah. I mean, coaches, but nowadays they'll have their, their hundred million analysts and Nick Saban's the best come out to practice after the the media has been told to leave because of stretching, that's why that's why practices are closed across the nation. So I mean that's cheating, and everybody does that. But just the dressing up as another coach and all that goofiness was. I, I mean, mean just, <laughs> just John, in terms of stupidity, cheating that that's past prove it. Mm, I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but. I would have gone that about that far if Jim Harbaugh had assigned his babysitter to go around other schools and uh, get video. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, 
You're right. I mean, cheating is a is you can call it cheating. You can call it gamesmanship. But let's face it, anytime the NCAA passes a rule that affects college football, the college coaches immediately begin to find ways, how do we get around that rule? And sometimes that involves breaking the rule, but whatever it takes, that's how competitive the business is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so now I want to change gears. I want to take a look at Tennessee because the transfer portal is still a big factor, and I want to get John's take on the transfer portal uh, to this point. Remind you that portions of the program are brought to you by our friends at Campbell's Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination, cctis.com, cctis.com. John, I don't know if it was 365 days ago or exactly when it is. I could go back and look. But when Dante Thornton's coming in the door, Andre Keurig's coming in the door, uh, John Campbell Jr.'s coming in the door as last year's transfer portal. And despite how they played last year, there was sizzle. There's about as much sizzle as bacon in a freezer right now. Um, there's not a lot of sizzle with this transfer portal, but I don't think it it damns it to being average. But right now, what are your thoughts on Tennessee and the transfer portal and where they are? Well, I didn't find that much sizzle last year either, Dave. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I, mean, I, I just didn't think those players were. I know they made a big deal about Donnie Thornton. The Tennessee coaches talked him up so much, but you look what he did at Oregon. It was pretty pedestrian. Um, so I, agree, I didn't expect, I agree, but didn't it have a feel that they were going to have three or four impact players heading into the fall? Well, when you just, I guess my experience with the transfer portal, I've come to be skeptical of it because it's as though the guys uh, skyrocket in value as soon as they enter the portal. I mean, John Campbell at Miami, he started a bunch of games. He started, I don't know, 18 or 20 games there. Uh, so he's uh, a veteran player, but I didn't, he wasn't like an All-American candidate. So I, I just didn't sense that sizzle. As for this year, I think Tennessee has done a really nice job of filling needs uh, with one exception. A Tennessee, to me, still needs an elite player uh, at wide receiver. I think in Josh Heupel's offense, if it could get an elite player, Evan Stewart of A&M would have been that elite player. Apparently, teams view him with a lot of scrutiny and wonder about if he's kind of screwy. Uh, I'll use a medical term there. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, that's just what, what I've read. I mean, but a lot of receivers are that way. But he is a big-time playmaker. He's been... Uh, impacted negatively because of A&M's offense and its quarterback situation with the number of injuries there. But that, to me, is still what Tennessee hasn't gotten. Well, 
a good example. Georgia gets Etienne from Florida. Now, that is an all-SEC type player. You know that going in. Right. He becomes Georgia's number one running back. Tennessee hasn't got that kind of player. A few years ago, Alabama got Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Clearly an elite player, had an immediate impact. He was you know, focal point of Alabama's offense behind Bryce Young. So that, to me, is what Tennessee's offense lacks and needs. Caleb, I think there's more than one way to split a cat, but I want I what those let's don't let's don't let's don't punish animals Sorry. today. I think there's more what than one way to skin an apple, but I I think that um uh I, I want to split a cat, that. not even skin. He said split. I, I know it's like no, you split an atom, you skin you a cat. Stop. Yeah. All right, so but I would want to be that program that picked up a Jameer Gibbs or an ETN. And needed that one guy that I'm just plugging in as opposed to I've got to fill four or five spots where it feels like Tennessee still has to do that on the offensive line and secondary. Caleb, is this this year where they're getting close to that? Do they feel more comfortable taking less guys in the transfer portal? Is that a good sign about their roster? You hope that is if you're a Tennessee fan. I think it's highly possible what I talked about last week is true, which is that they just ran out of NIL money, keeping the players that they needed to keep to come back. And I mean, I'm going to disagree with John. John, I actually think Tennessee's fine at receiver. If Brew McCoy gets healthy and Squirrel White's there, I don't think there's room for Evan Stewart or Squirrel White's there. And so I think that a big problem was Tennessee. You guys were lower on him than even I was this year. Didn't have a quarterback that could get receivers the ball in the slot this past year as well as he should have been able to and so with with those two Mike Matthews Chris Brazel coming from Tulane I think Tennessee is going to be fine at receiver but at the offense you're at the offensive line and in the secondary yeah there's concerns on why Gerald Mincy left and they haven't added alignment in the portal there's concerns on why they haven't added cornerbacks in the portal cornerbacks leaving isn't a big deal I'm, I'm with John and I talked about that last week I don't think either of us cared because I think they've been so bad in the secondary anyway, but you do wonder why haven't they added anybody? Do they really believe in their young talent that much? That's something that remains to be seen and it's possible, but I also have to be honest. I don't believe in Josh Heupel's talent evaluation that much. I think he's a good coach, but I think Josh Heupel is almost, it's like how Patriots fans feel about Bill Belichick right now, where they think Bill Belichick is a great coach, but in terms of roster management, he's been God awful the past five years. And I mean, I see some of the same issues with Josh Heupel to this point. That's uh, pretty special that you compare Josh Heupel to Bill Belichick. The he, negative side. He, 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 uh, that's a pretty good compliment. Uh, no, I thought the Oregon State DB, I thought he played cornerback. Jermon McCoy, so yeah. That's right. Yeah, so Tennessee got a cornerback. Right, to me, Tennessee now. has added perhaps its two best defensive backs with transfers with – MTSU guy and then the Oregon State player that those could be their two best defensive backs so to me they've enhanced their secondary Gerald Mincy I kind of feel about him the way I do that secondary I just think he's average on his very best day and uh, I don't grade offensive linemen uh, weekly so maybe he's better than that but that was just my that's my assessment of him but they do need – and keep in mind, there is the May transfer period, so there's still a chance to to add people. And I think Tennessee needs to add people. Yeah, but th- those dudes, I mean, they, they just don't seem to have er- 
nearly the impact of the guys that come in earlier. And uh, I, John, I'm curious if, if you were to add on to this transfer portal and talk about needs and you and Josh Heupel sat down and came up with a plan of uh, the, the, the rest of taking guys in. I mean, who would you take in? Any players in particular? You mentioned Evan Stewart may be a bit of a head case. Uh, and, and let's stop there for a second, because it sounds like they made that Tennessee made a clear decision to take Brew McCoy with a severely broken leg over uh, pursuing an Evan Stewart. By the way, that time that the timing played out on the same day. What, what did you make of, of that move, if that were the case? That's possible if the fact that Tennessee apparently let Stewart go or didn't pursue him any longer. Maybe that made up Brew McCoy's mind. It's uh, maybe he gave the, uh, him or me ultimatum. Ultimatum. I don't know. I really like Brew McCoy, but I still want a receiver that can stretch the field. And unless Dante Thornton becomes a player I have, have haven't seen, uh, Tennessee doesn't have that. I score a white. Maybe I was really disappointed at Squirrel White's play. I thought he would be a much bigger factor. Uh, Caleb point blame that on Joe Milton. And maybe that, maybe that was the case because he does have speed, gives you speed in the slot. And so if he, if he emerges and becomes a, a, a Jalen Hyatt type, then no Tennessee doesn't perhaps need anybody else. But uh, yeah, I would, I just guess I would like a proven elite receiver. Uh, Ole Miss got Juice Wells from South Carolina. He was hurt this past year, but he was a first-team All-SEC player in 2022. That kind of guy. Uh, I don't think Brew McCoy is a first-team All-SEC receiver. All right, let's take a look at the poll question now. As to, 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 to Michigan would be a blank season annually in the SEC. Uh, they would be a contender with Alabama or Georgia getting 24% of the vote, fourth best year to year, 66% of the vote. In other words, that second tier of the SEC and below that, I don't know, I guess Michigan and South Carolina are going to battle it out for some SEC Midwest, if that were the case. I don't think that's going to be the case. It is time for Four Downs, and it's brought to you by our good friends at Dynasty Pools and Spas. John, I think this is the first time that you've jumped in the hot tub with Cooper Mays. Thoughts on that? Excuse me? Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs, presented by Off the Hook Sports. All right, I'll tell you more about Dynasty Pools and Spas in Athens, but first, first, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. All right. So in the hot tub with Coop, it's me, Caleb Calhoun, and John Adams. It's a big tub. Coop here. First down. All right. First down, uh, you would grade Tennessee's transfer portal as what right now? A to F. John, let me begin with you. I would say a B minus or C plus. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought you were going to say. Caleb Calhoun. I'd go B-. I'm with John on that. I 
John corrected me. I totally forgot about Jermon McCoy being added from Oregon State, and I think that's enough for me to say B minus. Yep, I'm cool with B minus. Okay, what down, Coop? Cooper Mays here, second down. The factor that they've kept, Coop, Keenan Pilly, uh, who am I forgetting real quick? Uh, 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 Amari Thomas. Um, Amari Thomas. I'm Bruce so McCoy. John Campbell. Yeah, they've they've, Campbell. they've 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 kept uh, the the core of that group that could have left. How does that factor into your ranking, if at all, John? I, I didn't factor that in. If if you factor that in, then I would give Tennessee a B. Okay. Because that was that was significant to do that. All right, and you, Caleb. I mean, honestly, at that point, I'm going A minus. I think, I think there, John. I said this yesterday. College football with the transfer portal is kind of entering an era that's similar to college basketball with one and dones now, where teams that have been together for a a period of two to three years is going to almost be as valuable as teams that are loaded with talent. You know, like in the NCAA tournament, those four-year guys beat Kentucky in one and dones every year in the tournament. Coop, what down we got? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. There will be a year. I don't know if it's this year. Certainly wasn't last year with the amount of people that Tennessee took in the transfer portal. But there will be a year where this program decides to itself it's going to depend more on high school talent and bringing guys up as opposed to the transfer portal. And the transfer portal is going to be, you guys came up with uh, uh, one of the best examples, Jameer Gibbs. I don't know that Alabama took another player that year other than Jameer Gibbs in the transfer portal, but they took him and they just needed one guy to give a boost. How close is Tennessee to that where the roster is so strong, you're just saying I need to fill in one or two gaps as opposed to probably now three or four or five when you consider positions on the offensive line in the secondary. Are you asking me to look into the future? I am asking you to look in the future. You're, you're, uh, well, uh, I don't know how I'll go. Uh, you'll do a great <laughs> job. Anybody else. So that's, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, right now I think at three or four, three or four years, Right now, look at Tennessee's roster and how many first-team All-SEC players are on it. Well, we do want to. Okay. We're, we're going. We're going to get to that. Okay. It's a very good question, Caleb. How, I think this is the transitionary period, the year. I think after this year, they are purely cherry picking. I don't think it's a take a guy because he's got a good story and he's willing to take a uh, hundred thousand dollars because his grandmother's. Uh, from Powell. I don't think two that's years. Be- two years. And I'm going to tell you why it's two years. They're going to have a splash dominant 2024 season in which they compete for a national title. John, I've been very high. John, you haven't heard me say this, but I mean, maybe you have, but I've been extremely high on Tennessee in 2024. And that'll be, and the snowball effect of that will give them a loaded 2025 recruiting class. So after 2025, they'll be able to just go for elite transfers but they're gonna they won't be able to do it after this year because they're gonna win a national or compete for a national title with a bunch of players that will not be here after 2024 so they're gonna have a lot of needs to fill after this year or after next year sc scout guy says i don't think that will ever happen again dave so many kids will be leaving for more money from other programs you will have to replace the portal to replace them i don't think with culture and success that's the case if you have enough money you pay the guys like coop and them to stay. So I don't I don't think that's the case. So we're gonna 
We're going to agree to di- disagree. One more down. Some say it's the most important. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. All right. Pressure's on. How many elite players does Tennessee have right now? Guys, right now that any school in the SEC would take, regardless of depth chart, they would say that is an elite player. He's either going to bud for me in the coming years because I have a Carson Beck, but this Nico guy's special, for, for instance, or he's going to come in and start right away. How many elite players does hit? Tennessee have, and the definition of that is any SEC school would take them in a heartbeat. Well, I, I mean, I think any two school would take uh, Nico. I mean, right now, I would only rate Carson Beck ahead of him. Agreed. Uh, and I, I know that's uh, going out on a limb because there are a lot of proven quarterbacks in this league, but I just think his – his upside is is so strong. He eventually could surpass everybody if he stays healthy. Uh, but anybody would want him. And the other one would be James Pierce. Uh, we saw him in – you have a defensive lineman can that runs like a, a defensive back, as we saw in the Citrus Bowl. That's a, That was a pretty good advertisement uh, for his ability. Totally agree. I'm going to throw another one on there. That is based off conversations I've had with NFL scouts. And I think he is elite, but obviously coming off an injury. I think Brew McCoy is an elite player. Caleb, you want to throw some logs on the fire here? Yeah, I'm going to add two more. I'm going to add Javante Spragans. I think Javante Spragans could start at guarding. We're in the SEC. And um, we saw a college football playoff team from the SEC the other day desperately need a center. So I'm pretty sure Cooper Mays could start anywhere in the SEC. (laughs) (laughs) I would take Coop as well. Are we missing anybody? Because we would have said maybe Squirrel, maybe Dylan Sampson five months ago. Are they making this list? Well, uh, I think they have the potential to be an elite player. We've seen Dylan Sampson's got great potential as a running back, not so much so as a blocking back. Uh, I really like Amari Thomas. I like Amari too. In the middle of defensive line, I, I would I would think he's a potential. Uh, I think he's a potential All SEC player. And to uh, after what Caleb said, I think Tennessee could have an offensive. Will have one offensive lineman make first team All SEC next year. I don't know which one it would be. It could be Cooper. It could be Spragans, or or maybe even John Campbell. But I think there's a chance one of those guys, and I could see two of those three making first or second team all SEC. Okay, I want to look at the mess- message board. I'm sure we have some names on there, but mine is uh, Keenan Pilly, and I know he's played very, very little, and I understand that. But the fact that he was a two-time captain at BYU, he stepped on uh, stepped foot on campus. Everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's different," much like they did with Nico about 13 months ago. Uh, when they showed up for bowl practice two years ago. Uh, so that that would be Keenan Pilly. Imagine having the best spas made right here in the United States in your backyard. Dynasty Pools and Spas has their showroom open in Athens. How many of uh, the SEC rivals that Tennessee faces, how many elite players they have? We'll get to that. Again, Dynasty Pools and Spas, man, they can take care of you. Delivery, they can do that in Knoxville and Chattanooga area. 
and they've got discounts for first responders. They take care of you because they're great people, military, and even some blemish models that can save you a ton and no one will ever notice. It is awesome. DynastySpas.com and all the chemicals for your spas and pools. So, okay, when we look at Alabama and Georgia, and I'm not going to ask you guys to recite their their uh, roster in any sense of, of, of the uh, or shape or form, but John, how many elite players does Georgia or Alabama have on a given year? Around eight. Caleb? I, I, I'm going to go like around 14 or 15, and I'm just basing that off all SEC players. They usually have like 14 or 15 each in the all, on, on, on all SEC. And Georgia had how many players drafted in the last two years? 15 each or something like that? Is that high, John, or is that elite? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define it. I think when I was looking at Georgia's uh, depth chart and what it has coming back, uh, for next season, I, I looked at it and I saw maybe eight all SEC first teamers. Um, our friend uh, Hoghead says that um, UT fans way overhyped Pierce. He is amazing against bad offenses, not against good ones. We'll just tell you from off the hook sports, we've had, we talked to two players. Uh, uh, we've talked to, uh, um, who did we talk to? Spencer Riley and Fred White, and both said that they reminded him of Leonard Little. So, until something happens and it may be a traffic incident coming up, I will uh, err on the side of what those guys uh, had to say. And uh, if ever involved in a uh, serious incident uh, at your workplace or your children's school, I can't imagine how scary it would be. That's why Harold Group Security Solutions is who you need to call. Leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer one school at a time. Harold GRP, that's Harold GRP. Reach out to them. Have your school administrator or work administrator reach out to them, and they'll make sure that you are absolutely safe. Uh, coming up on the program, uh, we may have the the, the smartest ball since uh peyton manning yes that's true stay tuned a uh, former ball is about to get a monstrous promotion if you believe a lot of the reports that you're seeing from the nfl he's john adams caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker two minutes presentation of off the hook sports sun sand and salt water the beach is a very relaxing place unless you wear contacts ow Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. 
Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Well, we go from one of the smartest former balls to one of the dumbest former balls. In the next couple of segments, um, let's discuss for a moment, if we can, uh, 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 Gerard Mayo, who I will be really honest with you. John Adams joined us of the Knoxville News Sentinel. But Gerard Mayo is a guy who is quiet around the media, uh, John Adams. And you probably know that as well. But even from a day to day, the guys that were there each and every day, he just didn't talk a lot. He was always a fine interview. Uh, he left the NFL early, which which I thought at the time was a bit surprising. You thought he had three or four years left in him. And now he's climbed the coaching tree. So uh, I'm, I'm a bit surprised, not because I doubted him in any shape, form, or fashion, but I didn't think he would be the guy who might very well replace Bill Belichick. Uh, let me get your thoughts right now on Gerard Mayo and some of the smartest former uh, Tennessee players that you've covered or coaches for that matter, because one former Tennessee coach thinks Michael Penix can't play. And maybe after last night, he's right. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, so Gerard Mayo, smartest ball since Peyton Manning. Well, let me start with you, Caleb Calhoun. What sort of name should we be throwing out there? Because that's about 28 uh, years since Peyton Manning showed up on campus. So it seems like that statement is a little bit strong at this point. Well, I mean, there's a player after Gerard Mayo that we have to consider, and his name is Josh Dobbs. I mean, the guy is an astrophysicist, and Dave, you may hate that. That that talking point, but he I is. don't hate that talking. <laughs> I say one thing, John. I just think it's funny how. Do you not think it's funny how on every broadcast that every single broadcast works out how he's an aerospace engineer, right? Yes, 
Yes. <laughs> it reminds me, God rest his soul, of every single Steve McNair broadcast was he's a warrior. He's incredible. He's at a different level of toughness than the rest of these schlubs out here playing in the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, but that's such an unusual thing when you go aerospace. I mean, I I think they're probably, because it's been repeated so often, I believe some people think uh, that Joshua Dobbs has walked on the moon. He hasn't? I don't think so. You might want to check <laughs> He's that. He's on the next flight, right? All right. Who are some of the smartest balls that you covered? Because I'll look at it in retrospect, and Gerard Mayo has to be up there. Josh Dobbs has to be up there as well. I'm going to throw one out there. Darwin Walker, who was an engineer as well. But who were the just eye-to-eye contact? I don't care what they did after their lives. Um, who who were the, some of the smartest balls that, that you've covered in, in your life there, John? Uh, Travis Henry comes to mind. <laughs> He's got to uh, be joking. Let's see. Peyton Manning, of course. I believe you went there. Um, gosh, I mean, here, here's the here's the thing about that, Dave. Um, somebody can be a really good interview and and dumber than a doorknob. That's I mean, well, that's true. There's a skill to interviewing. So I, I, I'm reluctant to say how and somebody might have been not very talkative and not a great interview and might have been brilliant. So I'm really hesitant to say, I mean, if you want to talk, uh, you know, that's just hard for me to say who was the smartest fall. Well, and so, and, and there's the difference between on field IQ. Like, for instance, I, I think Joe Milton is highly intelligent. However, do I think he processes information quickly on a football field? He, his IQ may be higher than all of ours. I don't know. But when it comes to the quick processing, I think that's a different part of the brain. But but how can you say he's he's highly intelligent? On what basis do you make that? I don't know. I'm just saying he might be. But I've seen guys that are, I oh. think, highly intelligent that don't process as quickly on the football field. Um, sure. Yeah, and Hendon Hooker and he may sit down and take an IQ test, and one might and and Milton might be higher. But when it comes to processing on the football field, I think it's it's pretty obvious that Hendon Hooker does that at a higher level. I, and when you talk about uh, one of the players that I covered that I thought was very highly intelligent would have been Darwin Walker. I'm sure you remember him, Caleb. Well thought out answers. Um, got his engineering degree. So I think you have to include some school in that. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you say that because like the, there's not just processing on the football field and then being smart, like smart, intelligent, like book smart. But then there is there is the old phrase, there is street smart because the guy I'm about to say is book smart and not street smart at all because he makes very dumb decisions. But we're all forgetting him. He had, I think he had a perfect Wonderlick score and he has the greatest name of all time, Jim Bob Cooter, guys. Like may is not Jim be, Bob Pook, is Jim Bob Cooter the smartest ball of all time? And Ma, the irony in that. <laughs> I mean, when he's not cuddling with people against their will, um, like we we have to say that Jim Bob Cooter actually, I think he had like a perfect Wonderlick score, and he's like a genius OC. So you know, I think. I thought when there was a John Gruden pipe dream a few years ago, Tennessee, that they could get John Gruden and Jim Bob Cooter would be hired as OC. Yeah. 
Travis Henry getting some shout outs on the message board. Uh, I'm not going to read them, but if you're on uh, <laughs> if you're on our uh, audio platforms, you need to go ahead and get on the video platform as well. I'll read this one. Uh, Henry only did two things to the max, <laughs> running the ball. and Y'all leave Travis Henry alone. He was the I hardest agree. runner. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a little... I think that's a little much, especially what me drinker has to say right there. And then I see that uh, Hoghead says, says, I feel bad for Henry's 47 children. It's not Guys. high. Seriously, Dave, he, Travis Henry was one of my favorite players at UT. He played about as hard as anybody ever did there and sacrificed his body. I can still see him going over the leaping the line of scrimmage against Vanderbilt on the goal line. And uh, I thought he was a good interview too. So you didn't think remember he was that a good interview. Thing. I, I kind of thought you were joking about that at first. It was a really good interview. Yeah. I, I did think Travis Henry was a great team player. And usually running backs and just by nature of the position, they should, you know, they're oftentimes selfish players because a running back is just a position where you can kind of be selfish, but I'd never thought Travis Henry was a selfish player at Tennessee. You're right, John. He ran hard. I mean, the, the two hardest runners I ever saw at Tennessee were Travis Henry and Montario Hardesty. And I had a lot of respect for both of them. Speaking of Hardesty, y'all may, y'all, y'all may not like him and I know he can be annoying, but I think Arian Foster is pretty smart. It's another smart ball. Is he smart or is he act smart? I'm not going to get into uh, determining. So you think he's Aaron Rodgers? That that, that may be. John has had like, an incredible reach. Uh, no, I mean, he's uh, – I think Aaron Rodgers tries really hard to show how smart he is. He does some things that would be considered unusual. I'll just put it that way. And he has some unusual takes on things. And that doesn't mean he's not bright. He may be bright. I don't know. Arian Foster may be bright. Uh, you don't have to be smart to hold on to the football. I know that. No. And his fumbles, Caleb, we talked about this, weren't as bad as uh, as some other ones. They just came at the worst times. <laughs> yeah, they were the absolute worst times. Yeah. And... Um, uh, the, 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 <laughs> Clearly. And by the way, the Florida game fumble in 2007 that people got mad at him for when it was 28 to 20, people forget this, but that was a Ainge had handed it off with the wrong hand because he had the jam pinky. And so I think Foster was a little bit thrown off with the ball not being placed in his chest the way it was. And so that fumble was actually a little bit more on Ainge than it was on Foster, the Florida game. So we won't we won't count that one. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then another one he's was still on. Gotta hold the ball. I don't care how he gets it. He's got to hold the ball. Oh, so John Adams is one of those, if you can touch it, you can t- catch it type of dudes? <laughs> no, not touch it. If you get both hands on it, you can. You should hold it. True. I'll give you that. That's fair. I'm just trying to be a little bit fair to him for that specific fumble. Theoretically, well, you should. Overly fair. He was a great – he was one of these guys who was a better NFL player by far than he was a college player. Yeah, he battled injuries he... in college, though. Yeah, well, there are a lot of those dudes over the past few years. There, there were some guys in the latter years of the of uh, the Philip Fulmer era that didn't care as much because they had seen how star players were treated and how players that couldn't contribute were treated. And then you get into the decade of just blah, 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 blah. so. There's a lot of guys over the past 
uh, you know, 15 years before the past three years. Well, even some, if you want to start talking about the Valises of the world that have done better in the NFL than at UT, I think that's going to start to, to change itself a bit. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Caleb, want to get uh, John's take on this, but I want you to lead us off. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line now, how would you project the starters right now? Because that's what I hear most oftentimes on social media is, oh boy, Tennessee got another tight end and he's going to be here in 2025. However, the Vols and Vol Twitter seem to be very concerned about an offensive line that is going to protect the highest rated player in the history of the program in September. That's not that long away. Caleb set up Tennessee's offensive line now. And John, should Tennessee fans be concerned if they don't get some more help via the portal? What do you got, Caleb? Well, okay. So Tennessee is going to have Cooper Mays at center. Are we sure Javante Spragans is returning? He hasn't officially announced it, but everything he said implies he's back. So I'm just going to assume Javante Spragans is back at right guard. Got it. John Kemp, uh, everything I've heard is that he will it, uh, as, as well. John Campbell Jr. is going to be at left tackle. Now, the questions are at left guard and right tackle. Dave, you're telling me you believe a little bit in Vice and Ling as a guy who could develop into that role. We'll have to see. Right tackle, I think, is a huge concern. And before, John, I just want to set you up on this because you said this earlier in the set, in the show. You talked about how Gerald Mincy may not be a, as big of a loss because on his best day, he's average. Well, there is a huge gap between average and really, really, really bad. And maybe the people behind yeah. Gerald Mincy are really, really, really bad. So <laughs> that's the reason I think right tackle should be a concern. Well, yeah, that's that's a good point because uh, the drop-off perhaps there could be more substantial than another position. Uh, I would still think Tennessee can, can add somebody. You still can't make it. We've had a lot of co- changes in college football you still can't make trades, though, can you? That's not allowed. No, can't make trades. Well, no. I, I bet you money it's already been done, but no, you're not allowed. Okay. I, I have no idea who the other two starters would. Dane Davis, would he be a starter? It, Did uh, you see him in the uh, in the Citrus Bowl? See, that's, I think well, that's I'm not quality. saying he played well. I'm just saying <laughs> who would be the most likely starter right now. <laughs> All right, so fill out the rest of this group. Uh, brought to you by the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House Chat with two Ts.com, Hemp House Chat with two Ts.com. Guys, it really is a concern as because of Mincy going into the transfer portal. It felt like a team strength, didn't it, before Mincy entered the portal? Would you both agree that it felt like a strength and now suddenly it feels like a shortcoming? Yeah, I mean, but see, I think Tennessee has three really solid uh, 
offensive line returnees, and a lot of teams don't have that. I mean, they've got the three of those guys average better than 30 career starts, Cooper Mays, Spragans, and John Campbell. So, I mean, it's got a solid nucleus. It's just got to develop or find some two more guys. But you look around the league uh, at other offensive lines and how many how many offensive lines are have that kind of nucleus? Most of them don't. Okay, so Caleb, are we willing to say that Tennessee has one of the better offensive returning offensive lines returning in the SEC? I can't go there. I think y'all are a little higher on John Campbell than I am. I think John Campbell is a solid left tackle, and physically he's good, but I watched enough of him last year where I think he's very raw, and I think he's that type of raw player that will never fine-tune his his game, fine-tune his rawness, I guess, so he'll always be the guy that you kind of have to live with making like three – um, three mental mistakes a game, I guess is yeah. the best way to say it. He reminds and... me of a slightly more nimble, smaller Albert Tawina, and that's why I brought him up the other day because there's always going to be that handful of mistakes that you just have to live with. <laughs> the question is, will they move him to the right like they've done the past two years? John, that's been a strange move to take your starting left tackle and move him uh, to the right side. My question for you is, if if Bison Lang's not a guy who's uh, able to contribute at a guard position from the get, do you go out and get another Andre Kureg who could only get on the field when basically walk-ons were hurt? I was, uh, you know, better than than doing that. I, w- I was looking at Sunbelt Conference, all-conference team. I'm a big believer in finding a guy at a lower level who's been really productive, really good. Uh, Florida did that with Osiris Torrance from Louisiana. From Louisiana. He's in the NFL now, starting. Uh, I, I I forgot the players' names, but with James Madison, uh, the Sun Belt, he was the all he was Sun Belt Offensive Lineman of the Year. He's a junior. He's 6'3", 305. I mean, I don't know how good he is, but that signifies he really excelled at that level. I mean, the Sunbelt Conference is a pretty good league for what it is. For a, uh, So those are the kind of players that I would have my eye on. If you want to challenge him and say, hey, here's a chance to play and approve yourself. You've already proved yourself at that level. Here's a chance to prove yourself at the highest level. I just think that's the way to go sometimes in in acquiring transfers. I I agree, Caleb. I think the exceptions are to the rule are uh, these type of players. Uh, And before I get to those, Tennessee Cider Company, tnsidercompany.com. Use the promo code HAT to receive some free swag with your order. Available most anywhere in the United States. The original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT, again, HAT, to receive some free swag with your cider order. BYU, Southern California, one of those programs, not nearly as big as Tennessee, but you get a Keenan Pilly. Southern California, nearly as big as Tennessee? You misspoke. I'm getting there. there. So you get, one one is not nearly as big as Tennessee in a football program. So you get, you get from BYU, you get Keenan Pilly. From Southern California, you get Brew McCoy. I think those are the exceptions to the rule. I don't think you're going to get programs that are considered, I know we're in a power four or whatever we are situation, 
and a power forward program that are going to be players that are going to come in and contribute um, like those two guys, I believe, will contribute despite the injury and in, in both situations. Okay, so let's look beyond the portal then for a minute because I want to talk a little bit about, to maybe a Swedish some some Vol fans, the what's on the roster because there's two names I want to name. We talked about Vice and Ling, and then there is Shamarad Yumarov, who these are two true freshmen. We all agree, don't we, up front that that offensive line is typically a position, particularly playing for Glenn, Glenn, Ellerby, Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel, that you probably aren't ready to go your first year as a true freshman, right? That's one of those positions. It's a development position. Is, yes. I didn't see – so I didn't see either of them on the field much this year, and I wonder if they – were they just saving a red shirt? Because I saw Addison Nichols on the field. He couldn't play, but I saw him on the field, and I didn't see these two. Is it possible that their plan is Yumarov to be right tackle or left tackle, which John Campbell on the other side, and Vice and Ling fills that other guard void next year, and that they just weren't playing them this year because they wanted to save their red shirt if they needed to? Because then Tennessee's okay. They got five guys that can play, and they don't need the portal. Yeah, and John, here's I'm going to pull up this comment for you. Your take, here's what I hear uh, in social media more oftentimes than not as the biggest concern of where Tennessee is. Derek says, roster attrition with the O-line at Tennessee is on red alert, period. It's sad. I'm doing some digging as far as the, the Bison Langs and Shamarod Yumarovs in the world, how they're doing. But you're not really going to know until spring camp. Um, so is, is Tennessee another starter Cooper Mays type injury away from finding themselves in a hole against an SEC team in September? Because in going into year four, you should have depth where you can use, you can lose an offensive lineman and not Katie bar the door, correct? Yes. So, Caleb, how big of a concern? Go ahead, John. Well, yeah, it is a concern, but I don't – I'm like you. I don't know how good – these young players could be you but you can't miss on everybody um because yeah it is you're probably going to lose one offensive lineman um at least for a game or two i mean most teams do i i think uh that would be rare if you didn't so you do need to have reserves there i wonder though with gerald mincy if is there still a chance he could he could end up back at Tennessee? They could take him back. They don't have to take him back. I, I that what I mean is though they could take him back. So what I'm saying is, if they say they can pay him more money and bring him back, if not, maybe that says well, we've got somebody just as good on our roster. That, that isn't garnering. Big time in a in a, yeah. NIL money. I think, I mean, I think Tennessee's biggest concern, John, is they had to pay Cooper. Got no problem with him getting every single dollar. I, they they had to pay Cooper. They had to pay Brew McCoy. They had to pay Keenan Pilly. I'm sure I'm leaving two or three guys out. They had to pay some guys to stay, which in turn makes it tough to keep uh, other guys and makes you not look great in the transfer portal. I think they had to play pay John Campbell. Oh well, yeah, I do too. You probably did. Um, yeah. So I mean, do we have do we need to view this differently from a transfer portal standpoint? Well, see, I still wonder 
I mean, it's not like we get a printout on how much NIL money you you have and how much you've spent and how much is left. We don't know. I like to think of it as an unlimited supply. <laughs> and so whatever you need, you can always come up with. Uh, but that's not the case. I don't know. I, I just know Tennessee has money and it's it has everything I've read. It has a, and heard is it has a really aggressive uh, NIL program uh, with more money than most programs. But how much? I don't know. I think they had two years in which they were really aggressive, and that was with Nico, and that was with what they did last year, guys that were from big-time programs that didn't pan out as good as they had hoped in some cases. Other cases, they they did great. Um, I just don't feel like they have a lot of extra money to go spend on players that aren't currently on their roster this year, John, which is not a bad thing. I don't want people to read that as a bad thing. I'd rather have a Cooper Mazer, a Keenan Pilly, than a five-star whatever that I have to pay $2 million a year to just to come on campus, right? Okay, where's Ole Miss? Where's all that money for Ole Miss coming from? See, here's the thing. This is my theory. I think that this money is coming from their 10-win season two years ago, right? Um, I think it's coming from that, and I think that's what last year's money came from was Tennessee's 10-win season uh, plus 11 with a bowl game. I think you're going to see some ebbs and flows of money coming in based off how you did the previous year. And if I'm a head coach, I'm not loving that. But I but actually think – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Caleb. Go ahead. I think Ole Miss is doing what the Marlins did in 1997. I think Ole Miss went five years without spending any money whatsoever, so they have a boatload of cash right now, and they can just go buy a championship. And I think that's exactly yeah, I've, what they're doing. I've heard that line of thought, but I also know that Ole Miss has done well in the portal, not just one year, but three years in a row. But this and, year they're getting top guys. But yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they've got some solid players and really helped their defense the past two years in the portal. Yeah, they're getting higher level players. However, you can look that look at that differently as an investment because if this plan – pays off and Ole Miss makes a college football playoff and that's a possibility this coming season I think that will generate more contributions so this could the cycle could continue let let me ask you this and 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 John I'm gonna let you out here would you rather be the program that loads up once every four years, I'm spending my NIL cash because it is burning a hole in my pocket or would you rather be the consistent team that knocks on the door? Like the, the Michigan and Alabama Georgias are knocking on the door every single year. But would I be stunned to see Ole Miss assemble a group that finds itself in a national championship playoff uh, final one, one year? No. I wouldn't be surprised to see them load up and, and do exactly what Caleb said. Load up one year. Get in there, see how the dominoes fall. Well, there's a big difference in knocking on the door and knocking down the door is what Alabama and Georgia have done. They're winning national championship. If you have, I mean, Tennessee, how many national championships has Tennessee won? It hasn't won one since 98, hadn't won an SEC championship. If you told me that if you 
pour all your NIL money. If you spend for the next two years, spend it now because you think you can win a national championship, I'd say go for it. Yeah. I mean, people want to win a national championship as opposed to knocking on the door. Yeah, you know how that works. People get tired of knocking on the door. That gets boring where we never win. We never win at all. I mean, that that's what I hear from a lot of Tennessee fans here in other sports, too. You win, but you don't win at all. And if you can think you can win it all, then go for it. I'm not saying Ole Miss can win it all, but I think it has a shot. Yeah. Dave's going to hate this comparison, but uh, it's basically like the NFL, Dave. Tony Romo was always knocking on the door. Eli Manning, though, got two Super Bowls. <laughs> I was going to go with Mark Rick's uh, knuckles are bloody because he's still knocking on the door. <laughs> Not Adams. I mean, he was knocking, well, he was knocking on the door for a decade. And they didn't get anything out of it at all. I, I didn't see them as knocking on the door. Of course, we didn't have the playoff then, but there was one year where you could say, oh, they almost made it. But no, he wasn't. He was a, that was a nine and three program. That to me is not knocking on the door. To me, knocking on the door is you're right there in the final weekend of the season and you've got a chance to win it all. Uh, Georgia and Alabama playing in the SEC championship game this year. They both had a chance to win it all. I mean, I guess we're talking about two different things here. Bo Schimblicker's whole career was knocking on the door. Who? Bo Schimblicker. Whole career. Bo Schimblicker. Yeah, he just just kept knocking. Kept knocking. (laughs) He did. He kept knocking. Nobody in the door and it just didn't help me. He just stayed there. Knocking. You need to knock. knock. You need to knock on the door at Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the fire opals? The Tennessee tradition. Rick Terry Jewelry Design. Rick Terry Jewelry Design. John Adams, love you as always, man. Have a fantastic week. And uh, that was that was definitely a national championship game. I just kept feeling like I was watching the alternate game. And that I should be on another channel to see the real national championship game. It was you saw one team knocking on the door, didn't you? Yeah, I, t- I saw two teams knocking on the door. Two teams knocking on the door, yeah. yeah. And someone had to get in. <laughs> Thank you, John. I appreciate it. John Adams, listen to his podcast with Blake Topmeyer. It's fantastic. Follow him, the Knoxville News Sentinel. And what Jeremy Pruitt, I feel bad just jumping all over the dude, but what he had to say about a guy that just played for a national title. Was he right? In retrospect with Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. Portions of the program brought to you by our friend, very good friend at Sports Treasures. And you got to check them out. Carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures, many of them Tennessee-related and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Go to the Off the Hook Sports page, and I'm always posting stuff from Sports Treasures. I love it. Daily updates. Go to Facebook.com, Sports Treasures TN. You're going to love Sports Treasures. I promise you that. Hang with me. And why Jeremy Pruitt is the blind squirrel who finds an acorn every once in a while, according to Caleb Calhoun. I don't like where this is going. What's that? More than a blind squirrel. I've always hailed his talent evaluation, and I'm going to hail it again. I'm not saying that on quarterback 
Stay tuned. Two minutes. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. By the way, if you'd like to reach out to me at DavidOffTheHookSports.com, then I can hook you up with a recipe that uh, my wife made. It's a low-carb uh, apple cobbler. A lot of nuts, a lot of apples. See what what it does to your digestive system. With Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. <laughs> and we've got a lot to get to. What is right. the, what's the rule if, like, if, 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 if a hooker has digestive issues when you bring her to your apartment like the, do you get your money back no 20 percent discount <laughs> i've been told i don't really know uh caleb calhoun pulls up uh can you you got time for this day in uh tennessee sports history before uh before we get to some uh, more pressing subjects i look at him i see him i believe that he does because this is one thing i want to talk about and coaches are never 100 percent wrong and we're going to talk some Tennessee basketball a little bit later in the program as well. But coaches are never 100% wrong. So let's go to this. Do you want to pull up this uh, tweet and this comment, something that Jeremy Pruitt said about Michael Penix 
earlier this year or earlier no, in it's his career? It's, it's, it's a comment. It's no, it's a uh, interview that uh, Mike Griffith just did with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, okay, about because Mike Griffith loves Jeremy Pruitt, loves Nick Saban, would give them back massages every single day if they needed some. So I'm not surprised to see this, but let's see what Pruitt had to say about Michael Penix, who theoretically could have been Tennessee's starting quarterback over Joe Milton this year, provided maybe that gap or maybe a little bit more. He is, was a Heisman finalist. It's brought to you Don Don Self. Don Self, customer service still matters. State Farm agent Don Self for over 40 years. When you make that claim, you got to get it. And I know everybody's price shopping. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Donself.net right down, down there, donself.net. They pride themselves on making sure you and your family won't have any surprises at the time of your claim. Is Tennessee a better football program with Michael Penix on their roster right this second, Caleb? Well, let's address what Jeremy Pruitt said first. Um, okay, well, but, because... but I want to I provide some background. So for those that don't know, if, if he were on their roster, are they better right now? I'm going to say no. I'm just going to okay. say no. I, okay. Now, yeah. how how is it that he could have been on their roster for those that don't know? So, Michael Penix, for those who don't know, was committed to Tennessee. And he's – I want to speak highly of his character for a minute. He was committed to Tennessee, the program. Even though Butch Jones signed him, He was his family were – his parents were both athletes at Tennessee Tech right down the road. And so, he was committed to Tennessee – when Butch Jones was fired, he said, I committed to the program, not the coach. So he stayed through Tennessee throughout the Shiano coaching search, all the debacles that happened. Pruitt loved what he in, said in the post loved what he said in the post game. I don't always watch these, but I watched it this time. Uh he put it all on him. All on him. I was impressed by that. I don't know if you saw his post game press conference. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. So Pruitt came in and with Tyson Helton, who was the offensive coordinator at the time. Pulled Tyson, pulled Michael Penix's scholarship. Now there's some debate. Robert Gillespie, the one, an assistant coach at Tennessee at the time, a running backs coach, said that they pulled his scholarship because he was a lefty. He was left-handed. Pruitt says that's not true at all. Pruitt says the truth of the matter is, here's his quote: "The truth of the matter is, we all watched the tape, and just being completely honest, we didn't think he was good enough at that point in his career when he was 17 years old. It's not a perfect science." But look at him now. He's two inches taller and 30 pounds heavier. A grown man. I'm happy for him. It has worked out great. I am just going to say I believe Pruitt on that just because I don't think any coaches, I don't think Pruitt would have a philosophy of no left-handed quarterbacks. I've never heard of a coach who has that philosophy. So I think there's some of it out there where if you were the exact same, they're going with the righty because the way the offenses are built. I do think that's out there. I don't think there's one left-handed quarterback in the NFL, even like third string, right? That is true, but Steve Young is a Hall of Famer, and he was a lefty. Yeah, but I think it's changed since then. I think it's I think it's a right-handed man's game, but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't alter things to get him. I just think you would want to find a really good left-handed backup so that your offense doesn't have to mirror when he's in the game. Uh He's grown two inches. I'm not going to hold this against Jeremy Pruitt, but I'll go ahead and tell you that if, if it works out somehow where he's behind Hooker in 2022 and he's available and it's him and Milton on the same roster, he's playing instead of Milton. I'm going to say Jeremy Pruitt was a thousand percent right. He didn't even miss. And I'm going to tell you guys why he didn't miss. 
Michael okay, Penix. Does he play over Milton? I don't think so. I don't think so. Michael mm. Penix could not. Michael Penix at four years at Indiana, he was two inches shorter, 30 pounds lighter. And guess what? All four years at Indiana, he suffered season-ending injuries. All four years. He was too brittle. He couldn't stay healthy. He, he looked like the highest year. He didn't get hurt this year in a better conference. Barely. It was not a better conference. No, it wasn't. That's my point. It was not a better conference. And this is the point I'm trying to bring up, guys. Pac-12 is clearly in a, was a step below the Big Ten, at least the upper echelon of the Big Ten. In toughness. Just, in toughness. Michael Penix last night, we watched that game. Were we not watching the same game? And Michael Penix was horrible. Dave, did you see that fourth down miss he had? I think he's, yes. I think he's a hair better than Joe Milton, but I don't think it's clear cut. I think he, I think last night, I've watched him play several other times because he's played on night games after we've gotten done with our coverage. I think that he is better than he played last night. I thought he played one of his poorest games last night. So I'm not judging him just off last night. He's significantly better than Joe Milton as a whole. Period. I think the more he gets, I think he's the type of quarterback, the more he gets hit, the worse he plays. And he didn't get hit a lot in Pac-12 ball. And I got to be honest with you. If Michael Penix played in the SEC, he'd be looking like that regularly. And I, I, I came to that conclusion last night watching him play. That was a... You know what that game reminded me of? And here's a, this kid I'm going to name another great kid. Do you remember the year? Do you remember Troy Smith at Ohio State, Dave, when he won the Heisman? Totally remember him. Yeah. I, I mean, he's a guy that is, if he's three inches taller, he's playing in the NFL more consistently. What happened to Troy Smith when he played Florida in the national title game that year? That wrecked his draft stock, didn't it? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened to Michael Penix last night. He played a real defense. The, the stereotype that the Pac-12 doesn't play defense rang as true as ever and because of what happened to Michael Penix when he played Michigan last night. And I just have to be honest, I I had to reevaluate. I actually, I had Michael Penix like right there with Jane Daniels in my Heisman race. And then I, I, I edged Jane Daniels and I, I, I think you said you voted for him, but like I did, I was, yeah, I wasn't, I, I thought Michael Penix was a close second. I'm wrong. Michael Penix is a distant second. Okay. After last night, that would not have happened if Michael Penix would have looked like that more often than not if he played at Tennessee. I'm Aren't you being a little bit hard on him? Isn't that just one game? I mean, I know you watch a lot of ball. It, that's not the first time you've seen him play. I, it's the first time I've seen him play Michigan's, a decent defense. Michigan, Michigan's going to have the better athletes, especially at the skill positions in the defensive backfield. Yes, but the problem was here. I can understand, you know, Michigan's open field tackling was incredible. Michael Penix was under duress a lot of the time. But when that happens, a quarterback still should be able to make the easy throws. That fourth and seven throw, I'm sorry. that To me, that means he that, that was evidence that he got totally rattled. Who did he play this year, Dave, that would have tested him? Did you? I know everyone wants to bring up Texas. Guys, did y'all watch Texas play this year? They were a bad defense all year. They did not have a good defense. You can bring up the Alabama game. I can bring up that Alabama's offense was a total disaster at that moment in time. Texas yeah. did not have a defense. Free climb thinks we're trying to rip you. Congratulations on the national championship. One game, I thought he didn't play particularly well, uh, but that, that was Michigan's doing, in, in my opinion. So <clears throat> let me ask you this. Can you look up his quarterback rating, and then I'm going to go through the SEC quarterbacks and ask you if you would take them over Penix this season. So 
I think it's clear you would take him over Joe Milton III, and if he was somehow involved in Tennessee's program, he would have been the starter this season, and Joe Milton III would have transferred somewhere else or, I don't know, tried to get another year of eligibility because apparently every college football player gets to stay in college until they're 38 years old. But that's another topic. Uh, Jaden Daniels. I know you take Jaden over Penix, right? That's not even a question. Okay, right. Jalen Milrow. You don't love Milrow. I know you don't. He's second in the SEC in quarterback pa- uh, quarterback rating. I take Jalen Milrow. I take Jalen Milrow, and I, I know I, I hammered him for the loss to Michigan, but he also didn't have a center in that game. I would too. Uh, bad snaps all around. Can't you can't be comfortable. Car- Carson Beck, we'd both take him, right? Not even a question. Carson Beck, Jackson Dart. I'm taking Jackson Dart. Agreed. Graham Mertz, Florida. Okay, that quarterback rating is so skewed. I'm not taking Graham Mertz over Michael. <laughs> okay, Brady, Brady Gook, Missouri. Yes, I'm taking Brady Cook over Michael Penix easily. Okay, Spencer Spencer Rattler. Yep. Milton the third. You're going to disagree with me, but yes, I'm taking oh Milton over Michael Penix. I'm taking K- Milton over Michael K- Penix. Jay Jefferson. Yes. It's gone absurd. Yeah. So you you now. Uh, for you, a true Heisman candidate, Caleb, at best is the tenth best quarterback in the SEC. Are you saying the SEC is that much better, guys? I love Caleb Calhoun, but somebody help me here. My goodness gracious! Tell me, tell me who Michael Penix played well against this year that you would consider quality. They beat Oregon twice. By the way, those were both fluke wins. I would still pick Oregon tomorrow over Washington if they played on the on the field. Michael Penix is this year's Max Duggan. Remember Max Duggan or Dugan, whatever you pronounce his name, the quarterback for TCU last year. Yes. That's who Michael Penix is this year, okay? And I'm sorry to be that way. He's the 2006 Troy Smith. Go back and watch Troy Smith throughout 2006. Won the Heisman and then played Florida, and Jarvis Moss was in his face all night, and Jarvis Moss came out and said, yeah, there's about five SEC teams that could have done what we did to Troy Smith tonight. All right? I'm I'm, sorry. I'm with with free climb here. I thought Michigan's defense made things go wrong. I don't think it was a mistake. Wait a minute. Two things could be true. Yes, Michigan's defense made things go wrong. That is absolutely true. And I'm not trying to take anything away from it, from their defense, but your defense can make things go wrong and a quarterback still look decent. And Michael Penix didn't even look decent last night. Uh, Kyle McCord looked better than Michael Penix against Michigan, against that Michigan defense. Is that fair to say? Some people are calling Caleb insane. So I want to get him, uh, give him the proper opportunity to uh, respond to that because right now the message board thinks that Caleb, when he talks about Milton and Penix is that's crazy, but it's brought to you by apex apparel group design brand market your way. You've got to call Tyler 865-919-3001 cups, shirts, everything you need apex apparel group.com. So this is our five favorite minutes to fend yourself and the message board. You tell me, if our Caleb Calhoun has done a good enough job defending himself, tell me how you would take Joe Milton over Michael Penix. Everything equal. They both come in in January as midterm transfers, and you're going to settle on Milton? I just think it's close, but I think uh, I slightly lean Milton. 
I think Penix is a very average quarterback. I think you backtracked just a little bit. No, I didn't say it's clear cut, Milton. I said it's I said it's debatable and it's close. By the way, let's pull up if you because you're going with stats now. You want to stat me to death? Let's pull up Joe Milton's QB rating. Funny enough, it's actually not that bad. Funny enough. Okay, technically, it's Joe eighth, Milton. It's eighth best in the SEC. And make sure we're we're both looking the same ones because there's two ratings. I go to uh, CFB Where stats. would it be in the Pac-12, Dave? What would Joe Milton's stats look like in the Pac-12 in this offense if he could do this in the SEC? Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll take a look at the Pac-12 and let's see where he ranks right there. So, obviously, these are oranges to apples or apples to oranges, or you may even throw a banana in there. But by conferences, if you go into the Pac-12 and you take a look at this guy named uh, uh, Michael Penix, he's a 157.06. Okay, so he's thrown for more yards than anybody in that conference. But as far as a rating, as a rating, he's not first. He's not second. First, by the way, is Bo Nix, that incredible guy from Oregon who is uh, a Heisman finalist. Then there's Caleb Williams, maybe the best pure passer in the past decade in the NFL. Then there's Noah Fafita that everybody loves at Arizona. Then there's Michael Penix. So there you go. I just added a log to your bonfire. You should say thank you now. I was going to say thank you because doesn't that expose how bad Pac-12 defenses were? It does. I'm just, I'm sorry. So, like, so, if, so if he were, um, let's say he had the same rating, which he wouldn't. Uh, but let's put, okay. So Milton's rating for the record is 147.27. There's only nine guys that have thrown enough passes in the Pac-12 to qualify, but that would put Milton at six behind Shador Sanders. I do think, by the way, I think Shador is the best quarterback in the Pac-12. Y'all call me crazy. I think Shador is the best quarterback in the Pac-12, and I think he, he just has to love Caleb. Uh, Caleb, well, you too, but Caleb Williams. I'm hearing like he could be like freaky generational type passer. So you know, that's Caleb something Williams, to catch an eye on. Caleb Williams won me over as USC was struggling in November more than he won me over the year before or anything. Did you notice he ha- he kind of did everything he could for you? Actually, funny enough, the Washington-USC game, remember that game earlier this year where Washington won? If anybody watched that game, Caleb Williams was the best. USC put up 42 points because Caleb Williams is great. Michael Penix led Washington to 52 points because USC's defense was trash. Quite honestly, it was, it was, it, it was, Michael Penix's play was more about USC's awful defense. Caleb Williams' play was actually just more about Caleb Williams, if we're going to be honest. Yep. For the record, don't forget to go back and vote for, uh, it's today's poll question. Michigan would be a blank, uh, annually in the SEC. Uh, they would be a contender type of season with Alabama or Georgia. They'd be fourth. Uh, best year to year that's behind Alabama, Georgia. And it always seems like there's another program that's knocking on the door, uh, be it LSU a couple of years ago, but there always seems like, or Ole Miss this year, uh, or maybe Tennessee one year, um, which would put them at a, at a, at a fourth best ranking. I'm curious out of the three choices below that would be mean 
it means you're not even knocking on the door of an SEC championship. Where would you put the Michigan team that we saw last night? I'd put them, I told you, Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan would be all in one tier. I think they're all like, I don't know who would win, but they're all like in the tier of one of them could win the SEC title. The so advantage you firmly Michigan, believe that you firmly believe they're peers. Now that, they're peers. They're now, peers. now that Michigan's beat Alabama and Georgia's beat at Alabama, so that we know that that those two programs are equal because we thought Alabama was with. so the evolution of yeah, football the, over the past four years makes you think there are three preeminent teams. Well, and I don't know if this is year in and year out. Michigan was a veteran team and I can't believe I'm going to be, this is something I like general Nealon would say. I sound like I'm talking football out of the 1950s here, Dave, but if you watched Michigan this year, the thing that stood out was, I hate this word. It's so overused, but it actually applies here. It's the most disciplined football team I've ever seen. Honestly. And uh, the, I, I'm telling you, the guy walking the face of the earth that's going to get the most out of a set of 85 guys, his name's Jim Harbaugh, and you cannot like him. Um, Nick Nick Saban's going to be more talented than him because he's a better recruiter and a tireless recruiter. But you got the feeling that eventually Jim Harbaugh said, here are my cards, and I'm going to play them well enough to beat you, and I'm good enough to beat you at, at the Which end of the, the day. Is Georgia and Alabama still more talented? Probably. And Probably. that's actually the biggest difference. You're right. Harbaugh versus Saban, it's it's close. I think Harbaugh does win on the coaching, getting the most out of the players. Harbaugh, this is why this is why Michigan, I think, would beat Georgia too. I told you all this at the beginning of the year. Mike Bobo is a terrible offensive coordinator. If they had a halfway decent offensive coordinator, Georgia coasts to the national to a third straight national title because they're by far the most talented team in college football this year. But they have an offense coordinator who is was was mentored and developed by drunken Ray Golf, as you like to say, and coaches like Ray Golf. As I like to say, we had a player say that to us. You did. He coaches like Ray Golf, and Mike Bobo is going. I'm, I'm I'm saying it. George is never winning a national title with Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator. You heard it here first. They are. He's never going to win them a national title again. They better get rid of him. They better get rid of him because they're not going to win it. He's going to look like Arthur Smith was as head coach of the Falcons over the past year. So it is a, this is a guarantee Georgia won't get back to the title game with Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator. And that's why Michigan would have beaten Georgia this year. Good stuff. All right. Do we have this day in Tennessee football history? Anything out there popping? Uh, nothing really popping in a uh, Tennessee football history. I was, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, Totally forgot to do one on January the 9th. Slow days will be had. Slow days. Slow days will be had. Just remember, every day is the Super Bowl. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Wait, Dave we got to talk a little Tennessee basketball. Oh, hoops. Yeah, I forgot hoops. Tell me hoops. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, okay, so um, talking a little bit of basketball, talking some ball, Tennessee is number five in the AP poll and number five in the coaches poll. Tennessee is one of four teams now to be in the AP to be in the top five of both polls for three years in a row, Tennessee, Kansas, Purdue, 
and I want to say I'm already forgetting the other team. Um, but point of the matter is Tennessee is in rare, rare, rare company. Oh, um, the other team is Arizona. On top of that, uh, there is another stat that showed like the combination of fan support for football and basketball. And I can kind of try to pull up the graphic. I'm going to share it with you guys, but it really shows you that Tennessee is kind of in an Island on their own. If we're being honest, it's yeah. Kudos it's, to you, Tennessee fans. Uh, so th thanks for hanging with us. I almost forgot this segment, but this, uh, this graph is unbelievable. How it shows how big of a fan you guys are in the revenue sports, this, which is, uh, uh, which is football and men's basketball. Uh, let me throw this out there real quick, Caleb, while you're pulling that up. Uh, the odds up. right now on the NCAA national championship, uh, the betting odds have Tennessee um, pretty up there, 2,000 to 1, so 200 bucks for uh, 100 spent, 2 to 1, basically. And then they have Purdue, which is less than an even bet, plus 800. Houston, plus 1,000. Arizona, plus 1,100. Uh, UConn, 1,300. Uh, and then plus 1,700 for Kansas. So uh, after that, you're talking about uh, Tennessee. That's right there. So they're considered one of the top six programs via Vegas. And at this point, I think Vegas may know a little bit more than some of the coaches and media that are voting for these teams. Cause there are so many teams, Caleb. Yes, they, they do. And so that little graphic, I'm, I'm moving a arrow over it real quick, just so you guys can see that that is Tennessee where the, where my arrow is. That's the, the most top right. So going up is for basketball attendance, going to the right is for football attendance. Tennessee's really on an Island on its own. As far now, as Rocky Duck Tom says that graph hurts my brain, but all you have to do is look at one thing and it's the upper right hand corner where you see the little mouse. And if you're not on our YouTube channel, you need to get on our YouTube channel because we got some big time giveaways and big time shows coming up. So hit the like and subscribe button. Be sure you're subscribed with your notifications on. The bottom line is that, that Tennessee is one well it is the best by far not even close when you combine football and basketball and their crowd size game in and week out that is uh pretty strong you want to check and see smoky mountain red ask who tweeted that i thought it was uh incredibly strong you might want to check and see who the source is but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you have 22,000, it seems like, show up for almost every game or 20 or 18 if it's a really dead opponent. And then the 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 stadium's been sold out for the past year. I guess it doesn't surprise me at all. But um, yeah. it's still impressive to see. I would have thought there – I guess I would have thought there would have been another program close to there with Tennessee. Like, I don't know the dates, but Alabama – despite the off-the-field issues, had a pretty good run in basketball. So you would think that they would be up there. Uh, North Carolina had a good run in football. So you would think with their basketball, they'd be there. It just surprises me that one, like Tennessee, is all by themselves on that board. Yeah, so it was Tony Altimore, a data consultant um, with uh, USC and Wharton, uh, who graduated from Penn, that broke this down. Now, what's important about this is, here's the real question. And I wanted to pose this before we get out of here, Dave. One of four teams that's top five the past three years of basketball. One uh the by far the best combined basketball and football attendance. Is Tennessee one national championship away from being a blue blood in basketball? 
No. And you asked me this last time. They're not. They're two away. They're two. So if they win two, they're blue bloods. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to win two, to me, to be not just a flash in the pan. I mean, Kevin Durant almost did that for Texas, and it would have been like, holy Hannah, he's Kevin Durant, you know? And Does, do they, can they be back-to-back, -back or do they have to be with different players? Now, like that's Florida. a good one. That's a good one. You have to, They have to be with different players. Is Florida a blue blood? No, they're not. But Florida has no attendance. And yes, right, right. But they won two back to back with the same set of dudes. They don't feel like a blue blood even close to me. I think you have to win one. Separate coaches would be even better. Um, yeah, you're right. Separate coaches probably. Let me ask you this: Along those lines, when's the last time Kentucky's been a blue blood? They won I mean, Kentucky, one under. They won one under Calipari, like that. You would if you just came from Mars and you looked at the past twenty five years of college basketball, and you're like, "Tell me about the college basketball." That was some sort of Martian uh, accent I tried to do. So if you come down, and you've seen this guy named Tubby, and he won one, and you've seen Calipari, and he won one. Is that a? Does that look like a blue blood to you? I mean, Kentucky is dangerously similar to Nebraska. Look, yes. Here, here's here's what helps Kentucky. Kentucky, the three of their last four coaches all won a national title there. Rick Pitino, Tubby Smith, and John Calipari. The only one who did it was Billy Gillespie, <laughs> which is kind of funny to bring him up. But three of the last four have won national titles. It's just been one each, but that's three over a 26-year span. You got to give them some credit for that. Now, I will say this. Most of Kentucky's history, I say it's bad with football. Most of Kentucky's history is pre-integration in basketball. I'm sorry, but when you're winning all white national championships in basketball, <laughs> like how, how much should those things count, guys? Come on now. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a little like most of their success was under Adolph Rupp. And it was like, again, college basketball is pretty much exclusively white. And so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But even since then, Tubby Smith. Rick Pitino, John Calipari, all three have won a national title. I mean, they've won more than – they've won three since UCLA won their last title, and UCLA is considered the most storied program in college basketball history. And Would you rather uh, have Rick Barnes' career or would you rather have John Calipari's career? Calipari's How about you not tell me that? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Can we do that tomorrow? Maybe we should save it for when Tennessee plays Kentucky. I don't know. Sounds pretty hot tomorrow. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, appreciate the participation on the message board. That's what makes it so cool. All of our advertisers, we absolutely work with and endorse if we need their services. If we don't, and we will, then that's who we would call. So please support our sponsors. That's why we're here. If you would like uh, to celebrate 98, the untold stories behind the Tennessee Balls 1998 National Championship uh, book, you can get it right down there, available in soft and hard copy. 
So uh, check us out off the hoax boards. Also, uh, we're going to have the link up in just a little bit where you can help Zach Turner's uh, family out, former ball wife dealing with a very serious form of cancer. So I, I do appreciate the person who donated our channel earlier. Thank you very much. But uh, donate to Zach and we want to we want to help him. So donate to Zach. We're going to get that. We can get that uh, that link up in just a little bit. Right, Caleb? Oh, the link's already up. The link is already up on YouTube. It's it's click on it. Um, you can see yeah. it. So give, give it to Zach. I'm I'm blessed. So let's let's have him be a, a blessed former of all as well. Thank you so much for all that you do, our community. We love building this up. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.